to be in the house of God. I never take it for granted, the opportunity to be in God's presence with God's people. I'm a firm believer that one moment can change a person's life. Forever. Tonight could be that moment for you. I'm praying tonight's that moment for me. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth, and this is what he says. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, watch this, that you all speak the same thing. Why is this important? Because when you do this, that there be no divisions among you, but that you would be perfectly joined together. I don't know the next part if you would. There we go. The same mind and the same judgment. So here's what Paul is trying to tell him. He says, I need you to begin to say the same thing. Because when you begin to get unified in what you're saying, it eliminates division and it allows you to be perfectly joined together. But I many know that even in a room tonight with 40, 50 people, that sometimes it can be hard for everybody to say the same thing. But tonight, my prayer is that before we leave, God is going to do something to where it aligns our voices for His kingdom and His purpose. Everybody say a voice. That's not everybody. Say a voice. I'm looking at you. You're real close, so I can really see you. A voice. Everybody say a choice. It's your choice what you speak with your voice. And my prayer is that before you leave, God's Spirit would challenge you to use your voice for his kingdom if you would lay your hand on the person beside you maybe on their shoulder and i want us to pray together that god would do something supernatural in this room come on i want you to pray like you're not here because you didn't have anything else to do but you're here because you know god is going to meet us come on students i want to hear your voice right now god in the name of jesus christ we're asking, God, that your spirit would flow in this room tonight. God, I pray that the destiny and the lives of these students and hyphens would be forever changed by what transpires in this service tonight. God, I pray that you would remove every hindrance, everything that would stand in opposition. God, I loose your spirit to minister. Let the angels of the Lord be loose now in the name of Jesus. Let the voice of destiny speak. Let the call of God speak. Let the burden of ministry be released into this room, God. I pray that the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation, Jesus. I pray that your voice would talk to us, oh God. We want to be in your presence, Jesus. By God, I'm expecting you to do what only you can do in this service tonight. God, we remove the limitations. We remove the preconceived notion of what we think you should do and how we think this should go. And we submit ourselves to the flow of the Spirit. God, have your way. Come on, for 30 seconds, I want you to pray like you haven't prayed yet. Come on, let the Holy Ghost begin to flow out. Come on, that's it. It's like a river. Once it begins to flow, there's a current that's established.
you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Turn to someone, give them a high five, and tell them they look amazing, and you may be seated. You may be seated. On September the 25th, 1789, the Bill of Rights were created, and then on December the 15th, 1791, they were ratified. These Bill of Rights were mainly authored by James Madison, and they contain the Ten Amendments to the Constitution that we hold so dear in our wonderful country. The First Amendment that was drafted by Mr. Madison is especially important to us as Christians because it protects rights that are valuable to us. It says, and I quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for redress of grievance. The First Amendment made it very clear. As a citizen of the greatest country in the world, we have certain rights that are absolutely of the utmost importance to us. The freedom of religion is important to us. We live in a country that you get to decide who you're going to worship. You get to decide who you're going to serve. Now, obviously, we know the obvious choices. There's only one God, so there's really only one to serve. But if someone is deceived and they want to serve something else, we live in the country that affords them the opportunity to do that because there's freedom of religion. There's also the right to peaceably assemble together, whether that be to protest or to assemble like we are here tonight. We have the right to do that. And then it says that we have a right that is called the freedom of speech, which means you can say in certain parameters what you want to say. There is something woven within the fabric of a citizen that understands the importance of free speech. You see, as an American, we understand the power of a voice. In the development of our country, they established the fact that the people were to have a voice and their voice was to be important. And throughout the history of our nation, we have witnessed ordinary people utilizing perhaps their greatest strength, their voice, to make an extraordinary difference. And while I celebrate tonight that the importance of a voice is appreciated in our country, I want you to understand something tonight, students, that prior to the drafting of the Bill of Rights in 1791, there was one who illustrated to us the power of a voice. You must understand the power of a voice is not an American idea. I believe that we should understand the power that we have with our voices as an American. But I believe it's more important to understand the power of our voice that we have as an apostolic. You see, the value of a voice wasn't instituted by America. It was instituted by God. Genesis chapter 1, the first book of the Bible, opens like this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. 
and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. So I want you to consider the situation. In the beginning, God, that everything starts with him. People say, I believe in the big bang. Well, you can if you want. It was God who caused the bang. God spoke and it happened. That, that's how it happened. In the beginning, God. So the Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But here's, here's what happened. Consider, consider the situation. You have God. You have his creation. But the Bible says it was without form and void. It had no structure. That word without form and void, what that literally means is there was chaos there was confusion, and then there was darkness. So you had God, you had his creation, you had chaos, confusion, and darkness. But in the midst of the presence of God and his creation and the darkness and the creation that was filled with chaos and confusion, two things happened. You must understand the importance of these two things because the book of Genesis sets the precedent for the rest of the Bible. So the Bible says in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of God's creation being surrounded by chaos, two things happened. Number one, God's spirit moved. The second thing that happened was God began to speak. And the first time God speaks, he says, let there be light. Now it's interesting when you begin to study the, the Hebrew word there, let there be light. And then you begin to study, it's Haya in the Hebrew, and which sounds kind of cool, you know, it sounds like karate or something. But when you begin to study what it means, that word, let there be light, Haya, that was used there, is the same word that God used when he told Moses, you tell Pharaoh the I am that I am has sent you. The I am that I am is Haya, and let there be is Haya. So what God is literally saying is not just let there be light. He was declaring and releasing it into the earth that I am the light. So in the midst of the darkness, in the midst of the confusion, in the midst of the chaos, they had a move of God, and then God began to speak. But here's what I want you to understand. God was light before he declared he was light. God was already light. But something happened when God declared a truth about who he was. He was already light. But when God's voice spoke into the chaos and spoke into the darkness and spoke into the confusion, when the voice of God released a truth about God, it changed the situation. During the darkness, he spoke. In the midst of the chaos, he spoke. And when he spoke, it affected his surroundings. So my question to you, consider our situation in 2021. We have the presence of God. We have his creation. But there's no doubt there's darkness that has affected his creation. And there's no doubt in 2021, there's chaos and there's confusion. And the world is spinning out of control. But I want to know, what are you saying to the chaos? I still believe in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the trouble. What the world needs is two things. They need a move of God and they need a word from God. They need somebody 
that's speaking light in the darkness. I want you to understand something tonight, students. Your voice is a vehicle. And it carries and transports messages. So ask yourself tonight, what am I saying? What am I talking about? What fills the bulk of my conversation? Are you another vehicle that carries negativity? Are you another vehicle that's carrying pessimism and hopelessness? Are you joining with the choir of naysayers that believe that we're all doomed and nothing good's going to happen and the world's just spinning out of control? Or is there a young person in the room that says, I'll speak light in the darkness. I'll speak hope in a pandemic. I'll speak revival when it seems like it's not happening. You have to understand Solomon said that death and life are in the power of the tongue. But in Proverbs 18 and 21, which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I want you to notice how he ordered it. He said death first. You know why? Because it's more natural as humans to speak death. But there's something happens when you have the Holy Ghost. You begin to carry life. You begin to speak life. And you begin to say, I don't talk like everybody else. You have to make up your mind that in the midst of so many voices that are negative and so many voices that are wrong and are sounding their alarm for everything else that you can make up your mind. How many use my voice to declare God is on the throne. The church is alive and well. My youth group's gonna grow. We are gonna have revival. Is the world going crazy? Yes. But Jesus is still in control. I'm going to declare things like my family's going to prosper. My city's going to have revival. Our church is going to grow. Why? Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. When you got into the church, you got in something that was protected by the promises of God that calm any storm. Let the rain come. Let the storm blow. God's church is going to be okay. But I want you to understand something, that you have a voice tonight, but you also have a choice. And you must choose to declare what you are going to say. I'm not naive to what's going on in 2021. Yes, I see the chaos. Yes, I see the issues. Yes, I see the immorality. Yes, I see people calling good evil and evil good. Yes, I see the people that are making a mockery of God. But I want you to know that's not all I see. Because by faith, I don't just look with the natural eye. I'm seeing things in the Holy Ghost that are just a little bit different than everybody else. I'm seeing God doing something in my family. I'm seeing God doing something in my church. I'm seeing God doing something in my youth group. So I want to know, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Come on, I wish you'd lift your voice right now, but just begin to speak life right now. Come on, speak life over your church, life over your youth group, and life over your family. Be seated. I understand. I understand why people who are not baptized in Jesus' name, who are not filled with His Spirit, I understand why they speak negative. I understand why they speak fear. I understand why they speak worry. Because they don't know any better. But I'm concerned when the people of God 
Their voices are echoes of the culture that they're in. Because here's what I don't understand. God doesn't speak that way. His spirit doesn't speak that way. And his word doesn't speak that way. So why are we as his people speaking that way? I have been so concerned when I hear the speech of spirit-filled people over the last 16 months. I want to tell you tonight, young people, the negative and carnal voice is not a voice that's been influenced by God. So you have to ask yourself, when you start speaking like that, God, where is this coming from? I want to submit to you, God has been sharing some things with me in prayer. I've been asking God, why are people that are supposed to be your children speaking the way they are? And God gave me insight that they are speaking like that because it's coming from the voices that are speaking into their lives. You must understand, the voice we release is directly connected to the voices we receive it. The voices that speak into our lives, are expected, they are affecting the voices that flow from our lives. Simply put, it's like this. Input affects output. You cannot separate the connection between what you hear, what you see, and what you say. It is interesting when you begin to develop, and I'm not going to go into all the medical research. You can do it on your own. But doctors have proven through study that is a proven fact in the development of a child. What matters most to the development of a child's speech is what they hear on a regular basis. Doctors have proven you cannot separate the impact that hearing has on speaking for a child. A child's speech is directly impacted by what the child hears. Likewise, as the children of God, what we hear affects what we say. That's why some people are always speaking negative, even though they're full of the Holy Ghost and they've been baptized in Jesus' name because all they're listening to are negative voices and carnal voices and voices that don't pray and voices that are not in the presence of God. I'm not trying to be mean, but I want you to hear me clearly tonight. If the only voice that you're hearing are the voices on the news and social media and negative influences from people that don't live for God, eventually what you hear is going to begin to affect what you say. So you have to step back and say, God, if I'm not speaking like you, then who am I speaking like? Two of the biggest lies that you're ever told. Number one, sticks and souls may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That is not the truth. Everybody in this room has been affected by something someone said about you. You know how I know it works? Because if I were to walk up to you tonight, say, you look beautiful tonight. It's going to affect you. If you were to walk up to me and say, you look handsome tonight, that's going to affect me. If you were to walk up to me, bro, and say, dude, you look awful tonight. Did you look in the mirror before you left your hotel? Bro, look at you. Your suit's on. Because words do matter. What you say does matter. The second lie is this. Oh, I'll let it go in one ear and out the other. That doesn't work. Because somewhere in the middle of our memory, it gets hung up. Because we can all go back to something someone said. 
that we thought we could let go, but it begins to haunt us. Why? Because you cannot separate the connection between what you hear, what you see, and what you say. That's why the Bible says in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't just come by hearing. It comes by hearing the right thing. And the right thing is the word of God. That's why every day you must spend time in his word. Look at somebody and say, spend time in his word. We should make it a practice every day. Before I let any other voice have access to my life, I want to let his word have access to me. Because that's where faith comes from. But here's what I want to challenge you to consider. If faith comes by hearing, what else comes by hearing? Because I've learned the vehicles of the enemy carry messages. And the two primary vehicles that the enemy uses are sights and sounds. Because if the enemy can get us to look at the wrong things and listen to the wrong things, then we will begin to say the wrong things. That's why Jesus spent so much time speaking about guarding what you hear and what you see because it affects what you say. Hear me. When you watch a movie that's spewing out things that go against God, you're not just having just harmless entertainment. No, it's sowing something into you. And when you hear that, it's planting things in your spirit. So it begins to affect what you say. And when things begin to affect what you say, it minimizes your impact. That's why you have to make a decision. If it's going against God, I'm going to turn it off because I want to say the right things. I want to be a voice that's speaking life. That's what Jesus, he would say things like, if your eye offends you, if your hand offends you, cut it off. If anything would cause you to be lost, sever it. Get rid of it. Why? Because nothing is worth being lost over. That's why he's been so much time talking about what we see. And in Jesus' day, there was no Hollywood. And there was no YouTube. And there was no social media. And even without all of that, he said, you got to watch what you look at. How much the more in 2021 when we got phones that give us access to all kind of things. I don't want to allow the things I'm looking at to change what I'm saying because my voice is a vehicle and somebody's dying and they need to know there's a savior but I can't talk about him when I'm always in the world that's when Jesus said he that had ears let him hear hear me the requirement was not just simply to have ears he said no you gotta have ears to hear but that was before the Holy Ghost was poured out but in Revelation chapter 2, after the Holy Ghost was poured out, John took it a step further when he said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what, what the Spirit is saying to the church. It's important to mute the wrong voices, but it's also important to learn what is the Spirit saying. I know what the news is saying. I know what the world's saying. But God, what are you saying? What's the Holy Ghost saying? I know everybody else saying my family's never going to be saved. But God, what are you saying? You know what I hear the Spirit saying? I'm still in control. My church is going to be okay. I guard. I guard what I hear. 
because it affects what I say and I want to say the right thing because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Somebody's dependent on me to use my voice to declare the truth to them. So I guard what I see and I guard what I hear because I must protect what I say because our voices are supernaturally powerful. God instituted this. So you have to make up your mind. I'm going to learn what is the Spirit speaking? What is my pastor speaking? What's the Word speaking? Hey, I know the world's spewing out garbage, but I'm not listening to that because I have a voice tonight and I have a choice. I'm going to choose. Hear me. I'm going to choose and monitor who speaks into my life. Hear me. It will save you a lot of trouble. Not everyone deserves an audience with you. Not everybody deserves your attention. It's okay to mute and delete people that are speaking things in your life that cause you to question your relationship with God. That's the power of unfollowing deleting and muting some people. If, when you get on social media, if it feeds your depression, if it feeds your insecurity, then get off of it. It's affecting you. It's muting you. It's silencing your voice. You have a voice, but you also have a choice. Be seated for just a moment. You must decide. You must decide what you're going to say. God instituted the reality that voices are supernatural weapons. There are multitudes of people in our city, in our towns, in our community that the world's telling them that they must learn to cope with their issues. They're always going to be broken. They're always going to be addicted. They're always going to be handicapped. They're always going to be broken. They're always going to be on drugs. They're always going to battle sexual immorality. But God has given the voice to the church who can declare no. There is a God that can save you. There is a God that can heal you. My voice will be a vehicle for hope. I'm trying to get someone to understand the revelation of the power of your voice. You have a voice tonight, but you also have a choice. How will you utilize your voice? I want you to consider with me this. Our voices identify what kingdom we belong to. In Matthew chapter 26, when Peter is denying Jesus, just like Jesus told him he would, the onlookers were fierce to associate Peter with Jesus. And Peter tried everything. No, I don't know him. I did not serve him. I am not one of his disciples. But they said, yes, you are. And Peter began to cry out, no, I'm not. But then the onlookers Make a statement that convicts me to my core. Matthew chapter 26. This is what the onlookers told Peter when he tried to deny that he was a disciple. And after a while they came to him and they stood by and said to Peter, Surely you are one of the disciples because your speech bereath thee. That word bereath means to make manifest or to provide evidence. He said your voice is the evidence of who you really are. It manifests the truth. People try to use the excuse, well you don't know my heart. You don't know me on the inside. I don't have to. I don't have to know a person's heart. I just have to hear their voice. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
Your voice is the evidence of the condition of your heart. What you say is proof of the status of your heart. So we don't have to know your heart if we can hear your voice. Because your voice reveals the true condition of your heart. And so when Peter's standing there and they said, you're a disciple. And he says, no, I'm not. I, I've never been with Jesus. No. And they make this statement. Yes, you are. Because your voice berated thee. They were saying, your voice is evidence that you are a disciple. There's something about the way you talk, Peter, that gives you away. You must be a disciple. Can I tell you, our voices can identify us as a disciple. I want people to hear what I'm saying and they say oh he must be a disciple of Jesus Christ oh I can tell by the way he talks he's a disciple so my question to you today does your conversation and what you're speaking identify you as a disciple can onlookers look at you and say oh yeah oh yeah I can tell you're an apostolic not just by the way you dress, but I can tell by the way you sound. There's something about your voice. Yeah. It's different than everybody else's. Your speech berates thee. Your speech makes manifest who you really are. Yeah. Your speech is the evidence that you are a disciple, that you know who Jesus is. I want when people hear me or when people see what I post online, I want them to know I'm a disciple. There's something different about him. He must be Holy Ghost filled. There's something different about him, Brother Jordan. He speaks differently. But you see, your voice not only has the power to identify you as a disciple. It has the power to affect others. When John chapter 1, the Bible says John in John chapter 129, the next day that John seeth Jesus coming unto him. Here's what happens. John simply makes a statement about the truth of who Jesus is. He says, Jesus, you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. John is simply declaring a truth about Jesus. He's using his voice to declare, Jesus, you are the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And guess what happened? Nothing. Because sometimes in the midst of us just declaring who he is, it seems like nothing's happening. Sometimes in the midst of declaring, my mom's lost, but she's going to be saved. Nothing's happening. Sometimes in the midst of saying my youth group's going to grow, but then we get to youth service on Wednesday night, and it's the same eight or nine people. It seems like nothing is happening. So what do you do when you speak and you don't see any evidence? You keep speaking what you know is truth. Because just six verses later, the Bible says, I believe it's in John 135, after the next day, John is standing there, but this time he's not standing alone. There's two disciples of John who were standing with John, and guess Guess what happens? He sees Jesus and he makes the same declaration. That's Jesus. He's the Lamb of God that can take away the sin of the world. It's the same declaration that he made six verses prior and it made no difference. But this time, the two disciples heard what John said about Jesus 
and they decided to follow Jesus. I want you to get this. Two people heard the way John was talking about Jesus and that made them want to follow Jesus. So I have to ask myself, is my voice stirring somebody to say, oh, the way that he talks about his God, oh, I want to serve him. The way that he talks about Jesus, it makes me want to serve him. The way he talks about the Holy Ghost, I don't know what it is, but I want it. I want to know that my voice Make somebody say, you got to tell me more about it. I got to know. I got to know more about it. It was simply John's voice declaring something about Jesus that was so powerful that two men said, we've got to follow that God that John is using his voice to talk about. So not only does your voice identify you as a disciple, your voice has the power to influence other people to want to be a disciple. I want you to lift your hand right now. Every young person in the room, every leader in the room, lift your hands and lift your voice. And I want you to just say, God, help me. God, help me guard what I say. God, help me guard what I say. I want the musicians to come. I've got to hurry. There's no way I can get through all of this. There's so much in my spirit about this. I cannot get away. I cannot get away from this. In Matthew chapter 4, I want to help somebody right now. Has anybody ever dealt with temptation? Every hand ought to be raised because we've all dealt with it. Anybody ever felt like the enemy was fighting you? I want to tell you how Jesus defeated the enemy. When the devil came to Jesus when he was in the wilderness... Jesus did something very simple. He said something to the enemy. This is what he said. Simple. Jesus looked at the enemy. said three words. It is written. You know what Jesus was doing? He was declaring a truth that had already been established. Just like God did in the beginning. when He said, I am a light or let there be light. The fact that he was already light was established prior to that statement. But there was something about him vocalizing the truth that caused the atmosphere to change. The word that Jesus quoted, it had already been settled. But there was something about Jesus vocalizing the truth. So he looked at the devil three times and he said, it is written. Here's why I believe Jesus defeated the enemy that way. Because Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. So he could have just looked at him and said, go away. Snap his fingers, make him disappear. But you know why I believe he didn't do that? Because we can't do that. Jesus was all powerful. He could do with everyone. He could have summoned the angels, take the devil away. But he didn't do that. Because we can't do that. I believe Jesus did something we could replicate. He said, I'm going to defeat the enemy in a way that my people can model after me and they can do the same thing to defeat the same enemy by declaring the truth of what already has been established. There's something powerful about vocalizing the scripture. This is what I teach to our students. It's good to read the Bible. 
should be everybody amen. In fact, I was sharing this with Brother Gilbert. My youth group, we did something this year. We read the Bible all the way through. If you've read the Bible all the way through, raise your hand. About eight of us, ten of us in the room. Here's my question to you, and I'm not trying to be sarcastic. If you've not read it, how do you know what's in there? And if you don't know everything that's in there, how do you know there's something you're not missing? There's a, there's a plan. If you're a youth pastor in the room, you come to me after church, I'll share with you the plan we did. It's on new version. It's called the Bible in six months. It takes about 20 minutes a day. We had 17 of our students completed that had never read the Bible. We read the whole thing, 183 days. That's how long it takes. But we can do the same thing because it's good to read the Bible. It's better to remember because David said, that word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. There's something about treasuring and remembering the word. It protects you. So it's good to read it. It's better to remember it. But it's best to release it. And that's what Jesus did. When he was tempted, he released the truth that had already been established. And the Bible says when he said those words... That third time, the enemy left and the angel showed up. All because he utilized his voice to declare the Bible. No magical formula. Not something only God in flesh can do, but something we can do. We can go to the Bible. We can declare the promises of God when it seems like we're not going to make it. It seems like we're going to go back and just maybe be like our family that's not living for God. We can open up the Bible and we can begin to declare that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. And when the enemy comes in, oh, your family's never going to be saved. But you know you got a promise. You can flip over to the book of Hebrews and you can say, oh, it's impossible for God to lie. God made me a promise. When it looks like you're going to be defeated, you can flip over to 1 John and you can begin to declare, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. You can go over to the book of Romans and say the same God that overcame the world, he gave me his spirit so that I can overcome. There's something about using your voice to declare what's already been settled. Genesis chapter 11. These people said, we're going to build a tower that's going to reach up to God. They had the wrong motive because they make a statement in there and they say, we're going to make us a name. And anytime you try to build something because you want to make a name for yourself, God doesn't like it. So God comes down and he stops it. But I want you to read Genesis chapter 11. We're just going to go through it real quick. I want you to read what it says. It said, in the whole earth was of one language and one speech. Here was the things that had to be said if something was going to be built. One language, one speech. And it came to pass that people journeyed from all over to the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Watch what it says. And they said to one another, said, let us make brick. We're going we're gonna to build this tower and it's going to go all the way up to God. 
us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And watch what happened. Verse number five. And the Lord, he came down. Go to verse number five. Genesis 11 and five. I'm sorry. The Bible says that the Lord came down. Verse five. He said, I got to go see. I got to go see what they're doing. I got to go see what they're building. And this is what the Bible says in verse number six. That God said, behold, the people, they are one. And they have one language. And here's what happens when people get unified and they start saying the same thing. Nothing shall be restrained from that people who start saying the same thing. They unify their voices to start declaring the same truth. They can do anything. Can I tell you the devil cannot stop a youth group that starts saying the same thing, that starts declaring the same thing. So this is what God said. Okay, this is how I'm going to have to stop it. Because if I don't stop it, nothing will stop it. He said, I got to go. And I got to confound their language. He said, the only way for me to stop what they're doing is I got to get them to talk differently so that they don't understand different things because when they were saying the same thing they were building but when they started saying different things they got so when you go to our opening text that we open with Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 now I beseech you brethren that you all all speak the same thing he said, you have to speak the same thing. That there be no divisions among you. And that you can be perfectly joined together. Because when you're perfectly joined together, you become, the Bible says, a building. that's fitly framed. That nothing can tear down. And nothing can stop. But here's my question. How do so many different people with so many different personalities, with so many different stories... How do we speak the same thing? That's easy. Because there's two sources that's supposed to affect our speech. Number one, we can speak the same thing when we start speaking this. Because this has already been settled. This isn't relegated to my opinion. This has nothing to do with my personality. This has nothing to do with my story. But this has nothing to do with my age. You can speak the same word that I do. How old are you? 15. What's your name? Colin. Colin. Colin, you're 15. You have the same Bible, the same Holy Ghost. You have the same power that I have. There's no difference. We can speak the same thing because we serve the same God and we believe in the same Bible. So when we start declaring the truth of what's already been settled, here's the second way. There's something called the Holy Ghost. That's supposed to change how we speak. James says no man can tame the tongue. God says I'm not a man. Which is why the initial evidence that someone has received the Holy Ghost is they start speaking different. And God tames what nobody can tame. And the tongue begins to yield to the spirit. And when that happens, their language changes. Here's what happened in Acts chapter 2. All these different people. 
120 of them from all over, all over the place. The Bible says there was Cretes, Persians, Medes, people from all over, different backgrounds, different stories, different parents. They were all in one place. But the Bible says when the Holy Ghost was poured out, their language changed. And they began to speak in other tongues that the Spirit gave them utterance. It was the Spirit that enabled different people to talk differently. But here's what I want you to focus on. Verse number, go to verse number 11. It starts talking about all these different people. He said, the Christians and the Ravens, we do hear them speak in tongues the wonderful works of God. There was something about the Holy Ghost that unified their voices that they were all saying the same thing. You have a voice tonight. But you also have a choice. What are you going to say? What are you going to say? What are you going to say to the things that's fighting the person on your left and right? What are you going to say to the things that's fighting your family? God didn't put an age requirement on the power of a voice. He didn't say when you're 18, your voice is more powerful. No. But he just said the power of life and death is in what we say. And that isn't relegated to an age. So this is what I want us to do. I want all of us to come up front and line up across the front. And we're about to make a decision that our voices are going to be vehicles to speak what God wants us to say. I want every hand lifted in the room. The Holy Ghost is about to flow into this place and you're going to start talking different. And I don't just mean you're going to start talking in tongues because you are. But something's going to happen after that where the Spirit literally begins to change your vocabulary. And when you go to church this Sunday, you're going to know I'm worshiping different. My voice has been changed because I'm making a choice. I'm going to speak the truth of God's word. No more being negative. No more being carnal. No more being pessimistic. My church is going to grow. My youth group is going to have revival. Come on, I want you to begin to pray. Come on, I want us to repent right now. Everybody in the room, let's repent over the things we should not be saying. God, I'm asking you to forgive us for speaking fear, for speaking carnality, for speaking like the world, God. I pray that you would forgive me, oh God, for talking like I shouldn't talk. And God, I pray you baptize me with new speech. I don't want to have the vocabulary of a victim. But Jesus, I want the vocabulary of the victorious. Come on, that's it. Let the Holy Ghost flow. God, we're sorry. Come on, your voice is powerful. Your voice is powerful. I want you to hear me, young man. I want you to hear me, young lady. Your voice is important and is powerful.
This is what we're going to do. I want you to lift your hands on the count of three. I want you to shout the name of Jesus as loud as you can because there's no greater name we can use our voice to declare. And when you do that, I want you to begin to use your voice to worship him. And the Holy Ghost is going to begin to flow. And there's going to be transformation that happens in this room tonight. There are going to be chains that you thought can never be broken. But your voice is about to break them. That addiction is about to be broken. That chain and fetter is about to be broken. On the count of three, I want you to lift your hands. Everybody in the room. On the count of three, I want you to lift your voice and shout the name of Jesus. And when you're done, I want you to worship with your voice like you never have. Come on. One, two, three. Jesus! Come on, that's it. Lift your voice.
battle And this is how I fight my battle And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my battles And this is how I fight my change our vocabulary tonight something's got to change about what we're saying God if I'm going to be what you called me to be I've got to start talking different this is what we're going to do I don't know why I feel this I know this isn't a big room but I felt it in the beginning and I felt it just a moment ago praying for this young man right here the call of God is in this room there are young men and young ladies in this room. You know you're called, but you wrestle with insecurity. And you wrestle with low self-esteem. And you wrestle with feelings like, but I'm not good enough. My family's backwards and broken. I've made too many mistakes. But the Holy Ghost wants you to know, if you're going to be who God wants you to be, you got to change your vocabulary. And you got to start saying, I am an overcomer. I am called. I am chosen. Yes, I'm broken, but I've got the mercy of God. Yes, I made a mistake, but God's grace is sufficient. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to use our voice to declare one with another. The Bible speaks so many times about the power of two or three witnesses. You know what witness is? They're saying the same thing about what's happened. I want a young lady to turn to a young lady, make it in groups of two or three. But something is about to transpire in this room. And you're going to go home knowing you are good enough. You are chosen. You are who God says you are. You're not who your past says you are. You're not who the sin says you are. You're not who your backslidden family says you are. You are who Jesus says you are. Come on, I want you to turn and pair up with somebody. Groups of two or three, guys with guys and girls with girls. We're going to sing again in just a moment, but we're going to pray. Come on, join up together. I want you to lay hands on each other. We're going to pray for each other because we're going to start saying the same thing. Because when we start speaking the same thing, things begin to be built in the Spirit. And we begin to advance the kingdom of God. Come on, we're not going to speak negative. We're not going to speak gossip. We're with each other. I believe in you. Come on, right now, I want you to pray for them. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind insecurity. I bind low self-esteem. I bind shame and condemnation. And I lose the flow of the Holy Ghost. I lose the gifts and callings of God that are without repentance right now. God, I pray you reassure a young man and a young lady that you're mine, that I love you. This is how I Come on, that's it. Pray battles. for each other. 
pray for her. This is how I fight pray my for battles. Her. And this is how I fight my battles. 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 She may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. She may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you.
Come on, that's it. Something's breaking in the Holy Ghost. Come on, use your voice right now. Pray for one another. Pray for one another. Come on, that's it. Pray for each other. God, I'm asking you to touch my friend. God, I pray for their family. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, it's changing, it's changing.